0: Good afternoon, everyone. And we will now call the uh, regular uh, the meeting for Thursday, October 27, 2022. Palm Desert City Council successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority meetings to order. And uh, are there any public comments on the closed session?
1: There's no public comment, and the record will reflect all council members are present.
0: Thank you very much. And at this time, we will go into closed session. Uh, Madam
1: Mayor, we do have an urgency item we would like for, for council to consider. Please. Uh, it's property negotiations for 7280880 Highway 111, Palm Desert, APN 640120020, City Negotiator Todd Heilman and Martin Alvarez, Other Property Negotiator uh, Sarah Taj, SRC Finance. Property owner, Sarah Taj, SRC Finance, are related to price and terms, uh, and this is a matter that came to the attention of the city after the posting of the agenda, and there's a need uh, for immediate, act, immediate action.
0: Okay, then we need a four-fifths vote to add that to the agenda. Do we have a motion?
2: I'll make a motion to add this to the agenda.
0: And a second. I second. Can okay. we have yes. a motion and a second?
3: Question? Uh, yes. Are we adding this to closed session? Yes, yes this is Thank for closed you. session. Thank you.
0: Okay, can we have a? Are we? We're doing roll call yes. still. Can we have a roll call vote? Please?
1: Mayor Pertam Jonathan, aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember nestandy Yes. Councilmember Kintanilla,
4: aye.
0: Mayor harnick
1: Yes. Motion passes five to zero.
0: Thank you, yes. and we will now go into closed session. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to, well, our new council chambers, but besides that, welcome to Palm Desert City Council's successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency and Housing Authority meetings for Thursday, October twenty seventh, 2022. And before we go into some of the business, I just want to share with everyone, this is Brand new, this is our first live meeting in here. It is hybrid. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of challenges we're gonna work through, so hang in there with us. We're all gonna do our very best, work together, and get through this as well and as efficiently as possible. So having said that, can we have roll call, please?
1: Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Present. Council Member Kelly. Here. Council Member Nisandi. Here. Council Member Quintanilla. Present. Mayor Harnick.: Here, all councils present.
0: Thank you so much. We'll now start with the Pledge of Allegiance, and following the Pledge of Allegiance, we will have inspiration by council member Kelly.
5: have a brief uh, invocation and inspiration for us. As we make our efforts this evening uh, to share the truth as we view it, may those efforts be marked by clarity and charity. And if we cannot achieve those in equal measure, may charity prevail. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay. Uh, Was there a report from closed session?
6: Uh, Yes, there is. Uh, The item with respect to the leases. in part view, um, which is item three on the closed session agenda,
7: the council
6: authorized that uh, staff finalize those leases. On the rest of the items on the agenda, direction was given, but no reportable actions were
3: taken. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay, we will go to our awards and presentations. And today we do have a few, and it's perfectly fitting since it is live. Uh, Can we start with, I'm not sure how we're going to do this for the Palm Desert Charter Middle School Winter Guard. How do you, can we play the video first? Would that be, okay, let's do that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a brand new uh, council chamber for us.
8: Performing their program,
9: The Road, WGI Sport of the Arts is proud to present.
10: Palm Desert Turner Middle School.
0: proclamation, and I I had an opportunity uh, at Palm Desert Charter Middle School when I saw a little performance they did when they were dedicating the PAC over to Sally Fraser. I was so impressed. So I want to read uh, from the proclamation. Whereas, and I want you to listen to this because this is an amazing group of people. Whereas Winter Guard is an indoor color guard sport and performance art derived from military ceremonies and modern Winter Guard is a competitive performance-based activity which incorporates choreographed staging, dance, and manipulation flags and prop rifles, and whereas Winter Guard ensembles often perform at judge competitions officiated by local and regional associations using criteria developed by Winter Guard International, host of the annual Winter Guard International World Championships in Dayton, Ohio. And whereas the Palm Desert Charter Middle School varsity color guard team won the gold medal last year at the WCWG state championships, and whereas the Palm Desert Charter Middle School went to national to compete against over 100 high school teams, and came out in 11th place, making it the first time in history that a middle school made WGI finals. And whereas the Palm Desert Charter Middle School varsity team has won a gold medal at their circuit champs in California since 2015 and competing with high schools in 2017, and whereas the students at Palm Desert Charter Middle School strive for success demonstrated by their anticipated attendance at the world championship this year competing against many high school teams now therefore i jancy harnick mayor of the city of palm desert california along with the entire city council do hereby congratulate the palm desert charter middle school winter guard team and urge all citizens to join me in celebrating the incredible talents and accomplishments accomplishments of each and every team member from the winter guard team Oh,
11: congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> you want to, would you say a few words? Do uh, you have any team oh, members here? Yeah. Um, if the color guard from this winter guard show can stand up, also they deserve all the credit. They're amazing students. <laughs> It's my 11th year at Palm de Chard Middle School as a, a school teacher teaching the color guard program. Um, we started with 40 back in 2012, and now we have 251 in the program. Um, we have students that are elite, they're amazing. They compete against high schools all over the Coachella Valley. And not to mention, we are probably the best color guard in the Coachella Valley. That's amazing to go to Nationals. I think the last time Palm Desert had a team in Nationals that made finals as a high school team was back in 1994. So for them to accomplish that, they are spectacular for that. So the kiddos are awesome. Thank and, you. And where did you graduate from? Oh I graduated from Palm Desert Charter Middle School and I went to Palm Desert High School. Thank
12: you so nice. much.
0: go a little bit out of order, because we have Mini Muster here. And Mike Lewis, where's Mike? There's Mike, come on up, Mike. And I hope what you'll do is talk a little bit about Mini Muster and um, all the people who work with us on it. And here, are the, these are for the, the Uh, artwork, but please talk a little bit about Mini Muster, and maybe we can bring everybody up. Yeah, let's do that.
6: Okay, everybody. Well, I'm Mike Lewis. I'm from the Historical Society of Palm Desert, and I'll just say about Mini Muster, in 1993, a lady named Jan Holman had a foresight of bringing a program from Sedona, Arizona, and it was called Mini Muster, and what it is, it's a program that teaches the children fire safety and awareness during Fire Prevention Month Through field exercises, so instead of climbing up a big ladder Shooting a big hose at flames in their face like firemen do when they practice at their musters We do mini musters, so they still get to shoot the hose and they still get to get very wet so Raise your hand if you've been through mini muster adults included All right, and I'd have everybody scream mini muster, but then I always have to say louder about three times and that gets really loud so anyways Uh, We do have some art winners here, which is the meeting's all about, and we have uh, firemen that we'd like to give a a plaque back to in the city. So how do you want to do it first?
13: Well, you're doing it.
6: Okay. Well, let's do it. Okay. All art winners, come on up, and if moms and dads, if it's okay with Mayor Harnick, can come up and take some pictures of everybody. Is that okay? So all art winners. All right, so stand in line here, and let's see, Jackson, where's Jackson? Nope, not Jackson, where's Jackson? Jackson? Okay, here's your art award. I don't know, I can't remember everybody's name, Isaiah, right? How about Charlie? Charlie, here you go. Let's see, Christian, right on. I say, uh, here you go, buddy. Okay, and that leaves one last one, Eliza. All right. So if you fold them out, I'm here, standing, line I, here. I have an idea, maybe yes,
0: with all of our good idea. In the uh, oh, nice. picture with them.
6: That's awesome.
14: Great
0: artwork. Good job. I hope everybody had a chance to see the artwork when they came in. Too.
6: Yeah, and then after after this, we're going to go outside and we're going to have some more pictures outside and talk for a few minutes with the art. All right, 10 more minutes for pictures.
15: <laughs>
16: That's a good idea.
8: Well, thanks, Mayor. Uh, it was really nice to be back into uh, the chambers. It looks great. Uh, great cause. Um, just thanks to the city um, in, in supporting us to be able to teach these valuable um evacuation drills and survival skills for uh, cases of emergencies and fires and uh, really thank the historical society for their long-standing partnership it's been uh, it's been a great uh, mini muster this year we got a bunch of kids through all the different drills and um, we just uh, really really enjoyed that and we missed that over the last couple of years so thanks everybody for uh, partaking and supporting and we'll be back at it next year
6: And since 1993, over 17,000 children have been through mini muster. Isn't that amazing? That's a class. The five elementary schools in Palm Desert, plus the one that's considered Indian Wells on, Warner Terrell and Fred Waring. So, five local elementary schools. And, don't disappear, Chief. We like to uh, give back, and all the kids can come in, uh, even adults now. For 29 years, we've been doing the mini muster, so we like to give back where the kids and the adults can go back to the fire department and the city. But right now, we have the fire department for Station 33, who helps us out immensely, and Captain Trey Smith, right? And Greg, I'm not sure your last name, Roberts, help out and all the guys. There's about 25 guys at each muster from all over California, and I see principals help us out. Highly here. Let me give you your thing. Come on. Does everybody want to get a picture of this? We only got 30 seconds for a picture. You're awesome. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. And to the city we like to thank them. So the kids and the adults actually everybody can see 29th year we still have a bunch more for this plaque and there's already another one that's already filled. So Mayor Harnick. Thank you for everything you do. And the principals that all help out, and the teachers. I see Ms. Horowitz, thank you very much. And the PTO and everybody that helps, all the volunteers from the Rotary Club and the Historical Society and just the general public. And we also have, thanking uh, Desert Sands Unified District Public Affairs Officer, Mary Perry, raise your hand. <laughs> Good person allowed for our kids. Hey, even if you don't. All right, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope that more people I see somebody raising their hand, they want to go to Minnie Muster, right? All right, you guys, thank you very much. Thank you Mayor. thank you City Council. Thank you.
0: Okay, we'll just, we'll give everybody a few minutes. Okay, we will now move back to the agenda, and we have a presentation by the McCallum Theater, please.
17: You know, in my business, we call that a hard act to follow. I bet. But uh, I'm I'm here today to uh, basically thank the city for its ongoing support of the McCallum Theater. I think we have a wonderful partnership uh, that's been going on for many years, but in particularly the last few years, uh, the partnership that we've had with the city um, has, has really been valuable to us. You know, it uh, it was my great pleasure to come back to Palm Desert last year and reopen the McCallum Theater after having been closed for over 600 days. And as most of the world shut down, we were shut down. And uh, now we're back. We're doing uh, all of our programs, and so you know we're what? very, I'm, very happy. I,
0: I hesitate to to interrupt, but I think let's just give them like 30 seconds because they're filing out and because I want to make sure we all hear what you're saying. Ta-da.
4: Sure, there
17: we go.
0: Okay. Thank you.
17: So we like to think that the McCallum adds value to the city and according to the Americans for the Arts, they have a calculator that that uh, uh, calculates the Economic impact of an arts institution on its local community, and the McCallum Theater annually brings back to the city about 20 million dollars, just under 20 million dollars in economic benefit to the city. And according to the uh, California Department of Tourism, 35 percent of the ticket buyers that come to the McCallum are residents of outside of the of the Coachella Valley. And so the the tourist market that is here during the season is a very very important resource. Uh, not just the McCallum, but to the community uh, in in general. One of the things that we did with the spa- with the participation of the city was we rebranded some of our programming. So we have the Palm Desert Choreography Festival, which is coming up in a couple of weeks, and we have uh, branded that. and And I want to show you some of the collateral materials that we've produced with the city's uh, uh, logo and and uh, their presence on, on, our, on our collateral material. This is from our season brochure, um, and you can see it's the Palm Desert Choreography Festival. It includes the logo. Uh, this is another um, uh, email blast that went out. These, these things show that the, the city of Palm Desert. Also, um, last year, fr- part of our East Valley Dance Project was also sponsored by the city, and you can see the logo on there as well. Um, this is again for this year's Choreography Festival. This is some of the the collateral material. This was a piece that was mailed to to residents in the area. And this is, again, uh, part of our education program. These are performances that we have uh, uh, this fall, um, both in the schools uh, with school children coming to the McCallum and also uh, online. Uh, We're streaming into the schools, and we're also doing live performances at the theater. This is from our open call talent project, where the presenting sponsor is the City of Palm Desert, and uh, we're looking forward to another great open call this coming year. We also recognize the city as, as part of our donor base, and you can see in the highest uh, level of, of uh, donor is the City of Palm Desert. Um, also, in other places in our program book, we recognize the city for its partnership with us. And one of the things that, uh, that we did this year Part of uh, Mayor Harnick uh, helped fight hunger. We, we put this on the side of our building and lit up the building with that. Um, and this is the plaque on our donor wall, again, right at the top, City of Palm Desert. I'm going to go back uh, because there's one other thing I wanted to say, and that is I just booked a show for next season, and I'd love for the city to have its name on this. We did a show a couple of years back. It's called Stunt Dog Spectacular. And these are rescue animals that have been trained and do a wonderful show. It's a family-oriented show, and what I'd like to do is have this presented by the City of Palm Desert as part of our relationship, and we will offer residents of Palm Desert a discount uh, when they they purchase tickets to that particular show. One of the things in our contract with the city is the installation of the McCallum of an Instagrammable moment. So that's something we have been working on and, and thinking about and trying to figure out the right thing to do for the last two and a half years. Um, We we sort of took that break when we were closed for, for a couple of years, but we're back now, and we have an idea to put this on a wall right by our box office so that people can come in. You've got the logo of the McCallum and the logo of Palm Desert, and this is people coming into the red carpet they will be able to have their selfies and their photos taken in front of this. This will be the Instagrammable moment. We'll hashtag Palm Desert. We'll hashtag McCallum Theater. And so we're very uh, uh, very excited about that, and we hope you will be too. So we're looking forward to a great season this year. We're looking forward to our continued relationship with the city. And again, I want to thank all of you. I want to thank um, Councilwoman Quintanilla, who is, participates in our education committee, our education program committee. And uh, and just for the relationship we have with the city, thank you very, very much.
0: Thank you. Uh, Are there any comments or questions from the council members? No?
3: I just want to ask you, Mitch, if
17: you're going to stay at the McCallum forever. Well, they've got me this year, and we're, we're talking about sticking around for a while. Thank you.
0: Mitch loves the McCallum as much as the McCallum loves Mitch, so it's working well. Thank you so much for the presentation. Okay, we will now move to city manager comments.
9: Thank you, Mayor. I would like to ask Andy
3: Ramirez, Deputy Director of Public Works, to um, approach the podium and provide uh, the council and public with an update of our maintenance activities uh, for this month. So Andy, I'm going to turn it over to
8: you. Thank you very much, Mr. City Manager. This presentation will cover how the Public Works Community Services Division helps preserve the quality of life RESIDENTS AND VISITORS EXPECT WHEN ENJOYING THE CITY OF PALM DESERT. IT'S OKAY. Thank you, Anthony. There you go. Right. At a glance, the city boasts 12 beautiful parks, two community centers, 25 miles of multi-purpose trails, and a state-of-the-art aquatic center which expects to see between 80 to 100,000 users this fiscal year. I would also like to take a quick moment to thank our contract partners who help operate the city's recreational opportunities, Desert Recreation District, the YMCA, and Friends of the Desert Mountains. In this next slide, you'll see efforts to preserve the city's amenities, which include capital improvement projects, such as the recent resurfacing of the recreational pool that had reached the end of its functional lifespan. This next slide shows another capital improvement project that added shade structures that protect families from UV rays while they rest and see children at play together the final upgraded product can be seen in this slide at the palm desert aquatic center very proud of the team that put this all together another area of oversight includes playground operations and maintenance here staff oversees uh, the proper installation of ada compliant engineered wood fiber mulch that protects children at play Staff is committed to providing monthly playground inspections, equipment replacements, and other improvements to keep our children safe. Our team also oversees the city's growing urban forest of more than 15,000 trees here at the City of Palm Desert. The goal of this work is to maintain aesthetics, tree health, and public safety. Now, as motorists drive along the city's main corridors, they will notice a portion of the 300 acres of landscape in the city that includes street medians as shown here at University Park, just south of Gerald Ford. The department's focused efforts also include capital improvement projects that address aesthetics uh, throughout the city here, uh, specifically on our medians. Pictured here is a recent project on Monterey Avenue, just south of the 10 Freeway. This work includes more colorful designs, drought-tolerant plant material, and water-efficient irrigation. Another project is underway as we speak on Dinah Shore Drive, just west of Monterey. and This is near the Costco. Uh, This next chart demonstrates the city's ongoing uh, leadership through the City Council to support parks and rec and landscaped areas. Our work is supported by an $8.2 million budget. Uh, Increases are attributed to minimum wage increases, maintenance frequencies, and capital improvement projects. I am happy to share with you that in early 2023, we will be installing a new outdoor fitness uh, center here at Civic Center Park. Issues at city parks are reported primarily through a few avenues, uh, phone, QR codes, and our mobile app. Uh, Last fiscal year, we received 39 reported issues uh, via online. Uh, This fiscal year, so far, we've uh, received 10 issues. These figures seem low, and I believe that these are a result of our capital improvement projects, our proactive operations oversight by the community services division. And these are the staff members who help keep the face of the city welcoming, clean, and safe. This concludes my presentation. I'm happy
18: to take any questions. Thank you. Are there any questions or comments from the council? No questions?
0: Thank you very much. Our parks are, are one of those things that make Palm Desert shine. I know there's more in the works for those parks. Okay, we will now go to Mayor and uh, Council Member reports and request for actions. So why don't we start on our virtual. uh, uh, Council Member Quintanilla.
7: Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I don't have anything to report other than my gratitude for your patience as I was um, recovering from surgery and missed the last meeting. So I um, am thankful to all of the warm wishes from uh, staff and council and uh, residents that reached out. But thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Uh, Council Member Kelly. Uh, Thank you,
18: and
5: uh, thank you to all the staff uh, who've worked so hard to create this hybrid system uh, for our new council chambers, which creates a very valuable option, uh, both for council members and members of the public at times uh, when physical presence uh, might be challenging. I sincerely hope it will broaden opportunities for participation. Uh, there's one big thing I'd like to share about tonight, which I think will be of general interest. I've noted before uh, that Palm Desert is privileged to have uh, both myself and Mayor Harnick participate in the activities of Art southern california metropolitan planning agency and that happens because mayor harnick represents rctc our regional transit and transportation commission and i represent our six city region Uh, it also so happens that mayor harnick is president of the regional council this year And under her leadership, we're all taking a deeper dive into the major policy questions that impact our region. I am participating in the subgroup that is looking at resilience and conservation, uh, climate resilience, as well as resilience in the face of potential natural disasters. And at our most recent session, uh, we had a panel of superb experts speak to uh, the water resource issue uh, for the entirety of Southern California. There was one big takeaway uh, that is causing me to share. Of course, we're all mindful of the stresses Caused by drought and reduced snowpack, the big takeaway of that is worth sharing is that leaders in appropriate places are strenuously
18: working on uh,
5: stormwater recapture because as our snowpack diminishes, both here in the Sierra and in the Rockies, it's clear that stormwater needs to be the source uh, to replace some of what we were capable of in- as in storing through the snowpack. Uh, so some good work is being done. That's not to say that we should let up in regard to conservation or other efforts. Uh, But I did wanna share with the general public uh, that some helpful strategy and helpful progress is happening.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Nastandy, please.
2: No comments this evening, Mayor, thank you.
0: And Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan.
3: Thank you, Mayor. Um, So, I don't have reportable action or a request for action, but I do want to briefly thank staff for getting us to this point with the council chamber, certainly. I know there was so much work and so many challenges uh, behind the scenes, technological and otherwise, and yet here we are finally. I heard after uh, 31 months of not meeting in person here in this chamber, so it's so wonderful to see our residents and interested people here together in person. I also want to thank Mr. Ramirez for that wonderful report. I love that. An urban forest, 15,000 trees, 300 acres of landscaping. And we already heard earlier. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly astounded after living here for 43 years for a small city, how amazing this place is. We heard from Mitch Grischenfeld. We have the McCollum Theater here. I uh, wasn't mentioned, you know, we have the Living Desert. We saw the Aquatic Center, our amazing parks. Um, it, it just goes on and on. And uh, I, I, we should just never take it for granted, I think, uh, what a special, special place this is. So. Uh, I thank staff for getting us here, and I thank our staff for maintaining this amazing community uh, for all our benefit. Thank you, Mayor.
0: Thank you. And a couple of the um, improvements, just so everyone knows why we did it. This has been around a long time, and it wasn't just that it was tired looking, but it was tired looking. But it was the ADA the, uh, compliance to make it friendlier to every community member, and it, technology uh, upgrades and modernization, which also makes it easier for everyone to participate. Uh, I have a couple of items uh, at the UCR. If you remember, we did the Mayor Monarch Pledge, and we said we would do a, uh, a pollinator garden, which we have done here at Civic Center Park, plus we have planted uh, plants going back to our acres of of landscaping with plants that help the pollinators. And at UCR, we had an event last weekend. And John Cuevas, who is the artist who does so many of the wonderful mur- murals throughout our city, did the Monarch uh, mural. And it's really worth just taking a, a ride out to our UCR right here in, at on Cook to see what he did on the steps uh, of that campus. It's just incredible. Uh, worth seeing, and and it's amazing that butterflies bring us all together, uh, and in a very happy way. Uh, the other uh, issue I wanted to mention: I toured Lincoln Elementary, the new school campus, and there are a lot of students who are, are going to benefit from a great new campus. And I also attended a housing symposium, the UCLA Arrowhead Housing Symposium, and had the policymakers from California there. Uh, a lot of good information and uh, a lot of direction where we're going to be going to deal with the housing crisis. Uh, And I think Palm Desert is doing an outstanding job at dealing with that housing crisis and the need that uh, we know is out there. So those are my comments. And from there, we are going to move to the non-agenda public comments. And I'm going to ask for some housekeeping remarks, please.
1: For those on Zoom? if you want to participate in public comment please click the raise hand button on your computer or smartphone if you're joining the meeting by calling in on your phone please dial star nine to raise your hand and when called upon press star six to unmute yourself please keep your comments to no more than three minutes and begin by stating your full name for the record
0: thank you so much so i do have a couple of blue cards and i'll quickly go over this this time has been set aside for the public to address the city council on issues that are not on the agenda, part and you may address us for three minutes. Speakers may attend in person, and as uh, our city clerk said, we will also be looking for those attending virtually. Because the Brown Act does not allow the city council to act upon items not listed on the agenda, members may briefly respond or refer the matter to staff for a report and recommendation at a future meeting. And I do have two blue cards. Uh, request to speak cards. Uh, William, is it Colonel or C- Coronel? Okay, thank you, sir. Please please uh, come to the podium and we, we look forward to hearing uh, your three minutes. And please give your name for the record
16: and address. Yes, thank you, Madam Mayor. My name is William Coronel. Uh, I live in Palm Desert Falcon Conquest Community. Uh, I just came to appreciate for all the word that uh, you've done all these years. Also the city board members. But also I would, I would like to say thank you to the Sheriff's Polish, for, and Police Department for the work they are done for a few days when I call, we, we called them for concrete community. Also personally to the city ambulance from the yeah, fire would department. Would you
0: make sure you speak in the microphone so everyone can hear?
16: Me. Yeah, thank you. Once again, thank you very much for all your, your work all these years. So I'm hoping that we'll see you more often uh, for the new election that are coming. Uh, once again, uh, I thank you to the chairs and police department for the work they are done, uh, especially for the Far Concrete community, the senior, uh, senior also from Falcon Concrete community. Thank you once again.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your remarks. Uh, our next speaker is
18: Stephen Nelson, please.
4: Thank you, Mayor. Um, So I'm here to, um, on behalf of the hundreds... Quickly,
0: this, just, if you would quickly give your name... Oh, sorry. That's
4: okay. Uh, So Stephen Elson, my address is 35422 Core Drive in Palm Desert. So um, I'm here um, on behalf of the 166 residents here at Genesis, and uh, I wanted to first and foremost uh, thank the council for the forthcoming wind fence for the upcoming... uh, Wind event, so we don't uh, get buried in sand. So that's 166 thank yous. Um, but uh, we do have some outstanding issues that have been on the agenda for some time. Um, first um, is the uh, what we've coined as the sidewalk to nowhere um, on uh, Gerald Ford and um, the corner of Portola. Um, we have a pie-shaped uh, vacant lot. And our residents, um, you know, typically walk a lot during this time of year. And they're having to go out into uh, oncoming traffic um, because the developer did not continue the sidewalk um, around to Portola. Um, And so that's been outstanding for some time. And now that we're back in season, you know, this is definitely a concern um, for us. Um, Additionally... Um, we have um, some outstanding issues with the landscaping um, in our community that was signed off by the city. Um, whereas, those what was purportedly on the landscaping plans is not what's planted there. However, we've been assured by the city that um, it has been reviewed and was approved. Um, we've done ex- extensive audits ourselves and there's over 76 trees missing from the actual plan. So we're very concerned about that and several other issues um, having to do with the developer there. Um, And the last I'll I'll say has to do with uh, the master, we're part of a master uh, plan, I think called Millennium. And with that, um, the master uh, HOA, I guess we'll call it, um, is in a state of disarray. We have not had any formative meetings, there have been no updates from the Master Association. Um, I've requested financial records, um, which um, I've gotten very limited, you know, as the president of the HOA, Um, I've gotten very limited responses. And uh, the responses I have seen are quite concerning in terms of levies on bank accounts and other things. So, um, you know, I wanna raise this because I just think the, um, it needs to be brought to the city's attention there are several, you know, the areas that I've mentioned um, are very concerning to us, and we want to uh, get them resolved now that we're two years after, you know, completion. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, I'm sure that I know there were notes taken, and um, thank you for your comment. Okay, we will. I have. Are there any other comments or questions?
1: Are there any public comments on those uh, via Zoom? If, you, if so, please raise your hand. Seeing none, Madam Mayor.
0: Thank you so much. We'll move to then to the consent calendar. All matters listed on the consent calendars are considered routine and may be approved by one motion. The public may comment on any items on the consent agenda within the three minute time limit. Individual items may be removed by the City Council for a separate discussion. Are there any items that the council would like to pull from the consent?
7: I would like to pull item A, Madam
0: Mayor. I'm, I'm sorry, which one? Item A. Item A. Okay. I would
7: like to abstain from that vote because I was not present for the meeting, so I would like to abstain from it.
0: So we'll register a, uh, an abstention for item A for Council Member Quintanilla. Are there any other items? Move approval of the consent calendar. Okay.
2: I'll second the motion.
0: Okay, we have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote, please?
1: Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Council Member Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Member Nastandy. Yes. Council Member Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnett. Yes. Motion passes five to zero.
0: Okay. Uh, we will now go to our uh, action calendar. And our first one is A, award a contract for the design build of the Taos Palms Trellis and Entrance Structure Rehabilitation to Dugwall Construction, Inc. of Bermuda Dunes, California, in the amount of Mm $1,067,588.35, project number 813-21.
3: Madam Mayor, I'll be recusing myself from this matter because of a potential conflict
0: of interest. Thank you. Thank you.
14: Good evening, honorable chairman and members of the authority board. Jessica Gonzalez, housing manager with the economic development department. Before you, you have. Sorry, getting used to this. We all are. <laughs> Before you, you have a request for consideration to award a contract for design build for our Taos Pal- Palms uh, community. It is a community that was built in 1960s. It is a 16 unit community, two bedrooms, one bath. A couple years ago, we found uh, some deterioration in some of our trellis materials, which is wood, primarily wood, I refer to them as our Lincoln Logs uh, trellis. They're patios that cover the front end of the community in the interior, as well as some areas on the exterior. After evaluation, it was recommended that we move forward and have the trellis Um, repaired or replaced in some areas the consideration of the award of contract is for that purpose for repair and replacement so before you is a consideration to award the contract for a design build and we will be moving forward um, as well with a consideration for additional monies in the event of if, if it's needed for unforeseen conditions in the end, um, if there are any considerations needed for our foreseen um, items that may come about in our construction, um, we're asking for authorization of the executive director to be able to approve those um, additional expenditures as well as the notice of completion at the completion of the project satisfactorily. I'm happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you. Uh, before we go to council questions and comments, are there any questions or comments from the public?
1: none madam mayor
0: thank you we'll go to questions of the council are there any questions for from our council are there any comments i see none i'll entertain a motion at this time i make a motion
2: to approve the contract for the I design second. build of the Teo palms trellis and entrance structure rehabilitation to doug wall construction inc of Bermuda dunes
0: california Thank you, we have a motion and a second from Council Member Quintanilla. Can we have a roll call vote, please?
1: Mayor Putnam jonathan is recused. Council Member Kelly. Yes. Council Member Nassandy. Yes. Council Member Quintanilla? Aye. Mayor Harnick? Yes. Motion passes four to zero.
0: Thank you. Uh, we will now go to B, which is award... Uh, Award of contract to Wells Fargo Bank and A for Comprehensive banking Services.
15: Good evening. Um, I'm John Ramont. I'm Deputy uh, Finance Director. And what we have before you is a request to award the contract for banking services to Wells Fargo. Um, and also to authorize the city manager or designee to enter into negotiations and complete the documents necessary to put that agreement into effect um it's been uh about it's been more than 10 years since we last went out for uh an rfp for banking and it's definitely been time to look at it because things have changed a bit in this world um and the process was uh a very long and and uh, we used a lot of people in it we started back in june and uh um, started putting together the uh, requirements for the city Uh, We put an RFP out on August 5th. We got five proposals of which everybody was, um, all were qualified. We had an internal group review for basic minimum services and that group forwarded three uh, top candidates to a subcommittee of the finance um, committee and to look at uh, presentations and have interviews in person. After that, we also had staff that uh, we reviewed the online services and the technology available through the banks. And then finally, a single finalist, Wells Fargo, was identified, and uh, references were conducted with that. And then on Tuesday, we uh, received a recommendation from the Finance Committee that was approved unanimously with one member abstaining uh, to um, recommend this this motion forward.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, Are there any questions or comments uh, public?
1: I see no public comment on Zoom, thank you.
0: Okay, are there any questions or comments from the council?
2: I'd just like to thank you, and it seems like it was properly vetted, and uh, I'm ready to approve.
1: Okay. I'm Madam Mayor. Oh,
0: wait, I see two hands up, so we have, uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, you know, I'll second it, just so we can, we have a motion a second so we can have discussion. Uh, Council Member Keatonia,
7: please. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I completely appreciate the time that uh, staff and the Finance Committee took in coming to this election, but I would like to register an ethical objection to going with a company that was fined for creating what was it, 3.5 million fake accounts, defrauding their customers. So I think that we could possibly in the future find a better selection for a banking partner that has greater transparency.
0: Thank you. Uh, Council Member Kelly.
18: Yes, um, I
5: appreciate uh, the concern just expressed. Um, I do want to compliment uh, staff and the Finance Committee uh, for a high level of scrutiny um, in the, each of the applications and the extent to which they could meet the city's specific needs. Uh, so, um, I suppose my question would be, will there be ongoing scrutiny uh, to be assured that there is delivery of all promises and expectations?
15: Yeah, yes, yeah. so we can assure that that's going to be, uh, you know, there's nothing more important to us than the stewardship of the city's finances. And so it's very important for us to have a very closely monitored um relationship with them to make sure that that they do live up to what they have promised
0: thank you and yes please
3: thank you mayor uh thank you councilmember Quintanilla for bringing that up it had not crossed my radar and it does cause concern I'm, I'm wondering uh mr. Ramon if these uh, prior violations by, by Wells Fargo which imply perhaps a lack of ethical oversight or ethical standards was that was the subcommittee aware and did they take that into consideration and in coming up with their final recommendation
15: there was some discussion around that um, but there was also when you look at uh, the history of it and how far back it went um, the the uh, bank as a corporation has done a lot to move forward and get past that and um, you know so a lot of the things that we took in consideration were how they have um, adapted to the world now post-pandemic and are offering services that, that uh, are gonna be very advantageous to the city uh, in, to be able to control our own finances and, and, um, and that. So we, you know, we did look at all of the companies as far as what their footprint in the communities are, what they give to the communities, and uh, Wells Fargo was right up there. They have a big presence here and they have provided a lot of funding in the community.
3: Does the proposed contract give the city an opportunity to unilaterally cancel uh, that relationship in the event that Wells Fargo repeats um, these types of ethical violations?
15: Yeah, we would always make sure that there's a termination clause um, in a contract.
3: Thank you.
0: Are there any other comments or questions? And I'll just make a quick comment. It it was something that was... you can't help but be on your mind. There was great awareness of that issue. And uh, they have addressed it in myriad ways to prevent something like that happening in the future and really to mitigate those uh, issues that were created. So I believe at some point we have to look at them for and appreciate the efforts they have made to be compliant, to be transparent, and to do the right thing and uh i think they've done a great job i i sat in on one of the subcommittees and the the effort and the work that was done to find the best uh bank for the city were comprehensive it was detailed and it was really an impressive process so uh, those are my comments are there any other comments or questions seeing none we have a motion in a second can we have uh, a roll call
1: vote mayor Pro Tem jonathan Aye. Council Member Kelly. Yes. Council Member Nastandy. Yes. Council Member Quintanilla. Nay. Mayor Harney. Yes. Motion passes four to one.
0: Thank you. Uh, I'm going to ask everyone here if you'll give us a five to 10 minutes for a short break and we'll be right back. I know we have a lot of uh, important things to discuss and I wanna make sure that we have the right time to do it. So we'll be back in five to 10 minutes.
18: Anthony,
3: if um, Council Member Kelly is on Zoom, would we be seeing her face?
1: If her camera was ready.
0: Okay, we're all back. And we will pick up where we left off, which was item 2C. And the request is to receive and file informational report on the current state of the cannabis industry in Palm Desert. And I would assume that you are giving us the staff report. Mr. Seha.
19: Yes, good evening, Mayor, members of City Council. Eric Seha, Director of Economic Development. Uh, This is a receive and file informational report This is a 2022 state of the industry for the cannabis industry. It's very focused on Palm Desert itself, but we also want to look at our regional market as we also look at some comparisons uh, here in the Coachella Valley. This is really a report, uh, report that we're following up on from when the city council approved the cannabis industry in the city in 2017. At that point, we promised that we'd come back to city council. and give you kind of an informational report of how the industry has been performing any problems or issues that we've been arise uh, or have arisen since the industry started operating and I'm happy to report there really are no um, public safety concerns that have uh, happened with the cannabis industry that's here in Palm Desert we have excellent operators uh, part of that reason is that the city was very strategic in how it allowed cannabis to enter into the community by setting a total limit or a maximum limit on how many operators could actually be here today we have 10 operators seven of which have retail licenses we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but really the contents of this report, um, as it's outlined here, uh, we talk a little bit about our outreach and survey efforts. We talk about operations here in Palm Desert and the cannabis businesses that we do have. Uh, we also talk about uh, cannabis operations throughout the Coachella Valley, some changes at the state and federal level, uh, some state tax trends that are starting to occur, and tax changes, and then also we wanted to provide kind of an update on how the local taxes are working throughout the Coachella Valley. Lastly, as part of your report, we did provide the survey results for local businesses that participated. All right, so here's our Coachella Valley comparison. In the upper right corner is a map of the Coachella Valley, and we kind of color-coordinated it for the various cities. And below that map is the total number of cannabis operations in the Coachella Valley. We show there's over 200 operators here now, um, most of which uh, operate out of the city of Palm Springs, Cathedral City. And most of that uh, is focused, at least in Cathedral City, on cultivation uses, while Palm Springs is also focused on retail storefronts. Out of the nine Coachella Valley cities, five allow cannabis operations, and Indio is the newest one to join this arena. Uh, They are currently reviewing applications as we speak, and their ordinance limits the total number of retail locations to five. Indio and now Palm Desert are the only cities in the Coachella Valley that limit the total number of cannabis licenses that can be issued. Palm Desert and Indio. Indio's ordinance allows for one retail license based on their population size. Yeah. Yeah. What we're also seeing is that uh, Palm Desert has been really focused on retail. There are limited manufacturing uses here in the city, uh, but that table there at the bottom right-hand corner of this slide just kind of shows you a comparison that while Palm Desert's been focused on retail uses, uh, some of the other cities really focused on cultivation and manufacturing. Part of that reasoning is that they were much Earlier to enter into allowing cannabis, and so at first, many of the first operators that came in were focused on cultivation and manufacturing. All right, we also wanted to do a tax comparison. Uh, most of the Coachella Valley cities, with the exception of Coachella, uh, tax retail cannabis at ten percent. That's what Palm Desert taxes it at, and so do many of the other cities. Again, with the exception of the city of Coachella, Indio and Riverside County, however, uh, apply a community benefit agreement that's specific to each operator. And that agreement translates roughly to about a 5 or 6% tax rate on the retail use. And what we're starting to see with India coming online next year, uh, there's a number of, of cannabis operators that are now in the county, particularly along Washington Street, uh, that are starting to compete with our, our cannabis industry. I'm sorry. Uh, also here on our graph, we did show the cumulative tax uh, revenues Uh, The upper bar is the 2021 tax collection. Sorry, 2020. The bottom one is the 2021. And it shows that tax revenue by city here in the Coachella Valley. What we're also showing here is that Palm Desert, again, relying on retail sales. Uh, 99% of our tax revenue on cannabis comes from retail sales, while some of the other cities are a bit more diversified. They're not as reliant on tax revenue from retail. They're relying more on the cultivation or manufacturing tax.
3: Mr. Say, I just want to make sure I understood. You said that the top line is 20 and the bottom is 21? That's right. So, so they're for the most part dropping in every right. case. Okay, thank you.
19: And that's that, that that really comes down to what our findings are in this report. Uh, these five specific things we show that retail uh, taxes are starting to drop. Uh, there may be a number of factors that have contributed to that increased competition coming into the county. Uh, we also think that there's been an increase in cannabis use uh, through the pandemic, and that's starting to wane. Um, but our our retailers uh, have been uh, talking to us about what they're seeing uh, at their retail locations and why those revenues are dropping. Uh, I mentioned there's been increased competition, again, with the county and soon the city of Indio coming online. And what we're really seeing is that many of our cannabis operators um, are having to adjust their business models. They're taking on additional partners. They're trying to find additional capital. They're also um, pursuing micro-business licenses so that they're not just a the retailer. They're more vertically integrated. They can kind of control their supply side, manufacture their own product, uh, products, and kind of eliminate some overhead in trying to work with other companies. Um, and if there's now a new state uh, change in how the state taxes it, and they've shifted the cultivation tax at the state back to the retailers. So they're seeing additional tax and come back to the retail side. And then lastly, uh, the federal government continues to look at cannabis as more and more states allow for Um, recreation or medicinal use and so there are potential changes at the federal law uh, level coming as well that really uh, completes staff report Um, and I want to thank uh, really the city team and economic development our staff our finance team our development services team has really helped compile a lot of this information I want to thank the other Coachella Valley cities that were uh, very cooperative through this process and sharing their information Uh, but really uh, we found that our operators were quite eager and excited to talk to us. They've gained a lot of experience over the past four years uh, navigating through the pandemic. They've been extremely uh, grateful for the city's uh, contribution and looking at COVID relief for them, uh, but they were more than happy to participate, complete surveys, work with city staff and I'd like to thank them for that as well. That completes the report.
0: Thank you okay, so before we go to council members' questions, let's uh, I'll go to public um, Questions and comments, and I do have two blue cards, or I actually have one blue card for this item. Kenneth Churchill. We welcome comments up to three minutes. Please give your name and address.
12: Good evening, Council. My name is Kenneth Churchill. I own West Coast Cannabis Club at 42650 Melanie Place. Uh, first of all, I want to start off by saying thank you to Eric and the city staff. Uh, as always, they've been incredibly helpful in working with us and listening to us as small business owners on what it is that we need from our city in order to be successful businesses. Uh, I only have a few minutes, so I'll go ahead and cut to the chase. Uh, the local cannabis industry is not in a good place uh, at this moment. Um, retail sales are down significantly in the addition of several county stores in Riverside County. Uh, it has had a huge impact on our ability to be successful. Additionally, Indio is adding five retail stores, furthering the saturation of the retail market. We are here today to explain that the drastic drop in revenue, in addition to the exorbitant amount of taxes that we pay as retail operators, has made it impossible for our businesses to turn a profit. Indio and Coachella tax at 6% of retail sales, and Riverside County has a 0% tax. They have community benefits fee at about $80,000 a year, I currently pay about $190,000 a year to the city of Palm Desert. So they're saving very significantly on their taxes by being in the county. So that includes the stores right off of Washington near Sun City that are just pulling the sales away from us. When Palm Desert first set the tax at 10%, the state didn't even have a tax rate at that point. That was a tax rate that worked for us as operators because the state wasn't taking their cut. Since then, the state has added a 15% gross receipts tax that includes the local taxes that we pay to you, which means they're literally taxing us on the taxes that we're paying to the local city. This, again, has made it completely impossible for us to be successful. There are currently 115 cities in the state of California that tax cannabis, and Palm Desert is tied for the highest Retail tax in the entire state of California, higher than 100 of the 115 cities that currently tax in the state. I want to make it clear that we do not pass on these taxes. The way we don't set our prices as businesses, the black market does. If an eighth costs $40 on the black market, then people expect an eighth to cost $40 when they come into our store. That includes taxes. So when we have to raise taxes and lower our prices, that comes directly out of our margins. I've had to lay off over $250,000 worth of salaried employees because we can't afford to keep them employed. The city's got to do something. We're struggling as businesses, and we have to find a way to be able to succeed or you'll lose this entire industry and go back to making zero amount of money on this we need to start from zero find out something that's fair look at cities outside of the coachella valley because palm springs and cathedral city have already messed this up so looking at them and saying that our taxes are the same as palm springs and cathedral city go ask anybody who's operating in those cities and they're failing miserably at the moment we ask that you just listen to us and give us an opportunity to get to a study session so that we can talk about this in more detail and find a way that we can continue to be successful in Palm Desert. Thank you.
0: Thank you for your comments. Okay, uh, it is, is there anyone else, any other public comments?
1: Seeing none online, thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay. Uh, did you give a, put a card in? Did you... Okay, can we just have her fill the card out later? Okay, please. And, and give your name and, ad, and address, and we welcome up to three minutes of comments, please.
10: Hi, my name is Kiva King. My address is 73345 Highway 111. I am the CEO and founder of Royal Highness. Um, my concern today would be our taxes. When we first opened with the city um, in 2019, Again, like with Kenny said, taxes wasn't a big issue because we were hit with the additional 37% taxes. Now the new stores have opened up and we have customers that come. They see the prices because they're not online that include the taxes and they walk out the store. So in order to keep our business running, we're not profiting 50% markup. Our margins are more like 15 to 20%. The stores that are coming in the county side, they're multi-state operators. So they have Bigger buying margins. They can sell a product for $20 that we have to sell for $50. The playing fields aren't equal anymore, but it's still considered a Palm Desert dispensary. So our sales have decreased 50%, and we're struggling to keep our doors open. Investors are wanting out at this moment because the numbers aren't adding up. And if taxes don't go away, our business
18: unfortunately will have to close. Thank you.
0: Hey, are there any other comments, questions? Do you have any? A public comment. Okay. This time we will then move from public comment. <clears throat> excuse me, and we'll go to council questions or comments. Questions or comments? Let's just.
2: Okay. I have a question. So, if I'm understanding everything, our, it seems like our tax rate could potentially be too high, but would even lowering it to the standard 6%, Mr. Seha, have a dent as far as you know?
19: Yes, it, it would. Because of what the city collects at 10%, it would be reduced if the tax rate was reduced. And, and we could do an analysis of what that might look like based on the sales projections.
2: Right. I mean, would this help save these local businesses? Is my question more, it's, it's too early to tell probably. Uh, yeah, that's, it's too early. Yeah. Okay, thank you.
3: Thank you, Mayor. Um, first of all, Mr. Seha, thank you for the presentation. Comprehensive and informative, as, as always. Thank you, much appreciated. Um, so this was interesting, and I think there's enough here that our city should, should look take a deeper dive and, and look at where we are and determine if any kind of adjustments are necessary five years hence. Um, I know this is for uh, information and filing, so we can't have that discussion here. My suggestion to you, Mayor and the Council, is that we either assign that test to the Economic uh, Development Subcommittee or have a study session where the industry can have more than three minutes to share with us their perspective. So um, I do think one way or another um, the topic deserves a deeper dive. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Councilmember Kelly. please.
5: I concur uh, with what Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan just said. Uh, I don't think it matches Palm Desert's approach to business to be tied uh, for the highest taxes in the state uh, for any industry. Uh, I think a good place to start would be the Economic Development uh, Subcommittee. And depending upon uh, those conversations, we might find a study session appropriate, or we might find it appropriate simply to bring some choices back to council. Since we already have this very comprehensive study, uh, one thing that it will be helpful uh, to put in print in a quantified way, I think, is the lack of impact on public safety expenditures. That was very good news. It's not surprising news. Uh, We did choose very high caliber businesses to be our partners. Uh, But uh, since the tax was in large part premised upon the potential uh, for impact on public safety expenditures, I think we, we will want to Have that quantified or brought to council in print uh, when and if we look at some
7: choices.
0: Thank you, Council Member Quintanilla, please.
7: Thank you, Madam Mayor. Along with my colleagues, I also give my my deep gratitude to staff for collaborating with the cities across the desert and coming to Can you speak up just a little bit, a little closer? Um, Thank you. Thank you, Madam Mayor, and thank you very much to staff for creating such a comprehensive report and your collaboration with the other cities to give us a great outlook on where we stand in comparison. And I, in particular, um, echo the sentiment that while the, while the prices are being set by the black market, we need to ensure that we protect our local businesses so that we don't encourage any of our customers to go to the black market with the crisis that we have with Sentinel. And I think that we know that our, our local partners, especially Ms. Um, King and Mr. Churchill that are here um, speaking with us today, We know that our partners pay uh, pay prevailing wages and it is in our best interest to help support them. And I believe that a study session would be a great way to have a a deeper understanding of where they all stand and how they're being impacted. And I completely concur that uh, as council member Kelly said, we don't wanna be tied with the highest tax rate for anything, so thank you.
0: Thank you. Are there any other questions or comments? Yeah, I have a a couple of comments and Basically, I'll be saying what you've just heard, uh, and I do hear a majority of the council saying that they would like a study session. Uh, We'll have to look at that. But remember, when we passed Prop 64, it was um, to, to control the sale of cannabis in a way that drives out the illicit market for marijuana and discourages use by minors and abuse by adults. Well what we've done is we are encouraging or at least not even negating the black market. And that was I know many people I know personally who voted for it not because they chose to use it but because they thought it was uh, a tool to get rid of the black market. And. We, that's not being accomplished. This is, this is going to be a tough market because right now in Palm Desert, it's artificially controlled. We say there can only be six stores. So it, it's nice for those people who chose to step forward and attempt this business model. Uh, It may not always be that way, you know, who knows what we're going to see in Rancho Mirage, we see already in Indio, so it's not going to get any easier. But I definitely think we need to go back and we put that high rate of tax in, thinking that there would be public safety issues. What we have found is that the dispensaries provide most of their own public safety. So we don't need that increase that we thought we did, and I think we need to look at what we're taxing. We don't want to stand out for being the highest taxing agency in the state. So let's do that, and this, this was a receive and file. Yes, it's a receive and file. So thank you for all this information, and uh, I've heard everyone say they would like a study session on the issue, so the sooner we can accomplish that, the better.
5: Mayor, and I could I just clarify. Please. Uh, two of us did suggest we might start uh, with a discussion by the Economic Development Subcommittee uh, to see if uh, perhaps some alternatives can be developed to bring back to Council uh, because we do have a pretty comprehensive study uh, presented to us with this agenda
3: Thank you mayor. yeah, I think that from a practical standpoint it might make sense to have the economic development subcommittee do a deeper dive into the report presented by Mr. Seha along with representatives of the industry who can you know have a more extensive discussion and then take it from there as council member Kelly said, we might already be at that point ready to have staff present alternatives for council to consider. But if we see that, you know what, the council needs to hear all of this, then we can recommend a study session. So maybe the next step would be for the economic development subcommittee to meet with staff, with representatives of the industry, and go from there.
0: Right, Um, and great points. Do I recall that the way our ordinance, or was it, it was on the ballot about the taxing, wasn't it? And so we don't have to go back to the ballot to change the tax rate, is that accurate? Okay. Okay, so I think that's a great idea. So do you have enough uh, direction?
12: I do. Perfect. Thank you.
0: All right. Then let's move to 2D, which is to receive and file informational report regarding potential regulation of cannabis consumption areas, temporary special events, and other related amendments.
18: And. Who will be doing? Uh,
20: hi,
0: Ms. Lua. Hello.
20: Give me one second, please. All right. Good evening, Madam Mayor and members of the City Council. Rosie Lua, Deputy Director of Development Services. Today, before you, is a policy discussion for on site cannabis consumption areas as well as temporary cannabis events. By way of background, at our last study session in May, we discussed cannabis directly after a cannabis study report, as we did today. And at that time, we introduced the consideration of cannabis lounges for on-site in existing cannabis retailers, as well as uh, in temporary events. And we looked at it in a very high level. We just were looking at and studying the various cities that allowed on-site cannabis, but we did not dive into any of the regulations and or standards. But today, we're ready to just talk about that policy discussion and regulatory framework. So we're going to do an overview of the state cannabis laws as it relates to those two items, as well as eligible palm desert cannabis businesses, Coachella Valley cities, and and we're going to compare those, um, as well as staff recommendations and then some policy direction. In terms of state law, The state law allows the cities to locally regulate on-site cannabis consumption. At the time that we adopted our ordinance, we did not allow it um, to to be part of our policies. And so cannabis, in terms of on-site consumption, is smoking, vaporizing, and ingesting of cannabis or cannabis products on premises of a retailer or a micro business, with all the following being met. Access to the area where cannabis consumption is allowed um, is restricted to persons 21 or older. Cannabis consumption is not visible from any public place or non-age-restricted area. And sale or consumption of alcohol or tobacco is not allowed on the premises. And just to give you a bit of detail on what a micro-business is, because we have two in our city, they need to meet three criteria according to the state. And we have those listed there. So if they meet any of those three, they're considered micro-business. In terms of state law for temporary events, again, it is within the local jurisdiction to regulate if the cities will allow temporary events within the city jurisdiction. If they are allowed, then the cannabis events must meet two state licenses. And that is the cannabis event organizer license and a temporary uh, cannabis event license. And there is some timing there. There There's a maximum of four consecutive days that's allowed. It's only for licensed retailers. And cannabis use cannot be visible from outside of the events or any areas that are not age restricted. So here within our city, we have six retailers and five uh, manufacturing distributors, cultivators, and or testing facilities. And again, those are the two micro-businesses that are within that category. So although we're regulated by six retailers, we we do not have a cap on any of the other items there. There are no known public safety or public nuisance or other issues to date on the city's cannabis businesses. And again of the eligible businesses for on-site consumption it would be our six retailers at this time and the two micro businesses. So a comparative analysis with other desert cities we didn't limit our research to these cities we went outside of the Coachella Valley for other parameters including um, you know, operations, uh, performance standards, as well as looking at their eligibility. But here we have just desert cities. So we looked at their licensing or their requirements for approval of cannabis, and we found that most of our desert cities allow on-site consumption through an administrative process. and that's either through staff level and or city manager level administrative um, approval. The on-site consumption, was consistent with smoking, vaping, and ingestion. As you can see, most of these allowed it all indoor. And we have indoor or outdoor because although it's on-site consumption, it's either indoors within the facility or directly outdoors, directly outdoor of the facility itself. And as you can see there, temporary events, majority did allow uh, some temporary events Uh, within their jurisdiction, and they just had various um, parameters on um, how they allowed their temporary events.
18: So in terms of
20: staff recommendations, we are recommending that uh, cannabis on-site consumption be allowed within the retail facilities, including our micro-businesses as allowed by state, uh, to be permitted for smoking, vaping, and ingestion for as an ancillary use. So if you have a retail business as your primary use, this consumption would be ancillary. Um, and it would require an additional permit. So it would require what we're calling a cannabis on-site consumption permit. And that is because we want to make sure we regulate that permit in itself. And we don't Um, convoluted with the permit that they would already have for their retail license. So in essence, they would have two. If there's any violations of the onsite consumption, we can go ahead and pull that permit and not limit them in their retail license. As far as um, requiring it, in any major amendment to the conditional use permit. So since these businesses already have conditional use permits, any major amendment, if they are increasing their square footage, then we would require them to come back as a discretionary item to Planning Commission for an approval. If they do not, if they're still within their primary business, then it would just be an administrative approval with that cannabis on-site consumption permit. We would restrict on-site consumption areas to indoors. We would not, we would not um, uh, allow outside consumption. However, we would support having an outdoor area for, for, seat, for seating and or just a space outdoors, but with no consumption. And then uh, part of our recommendation is also to prohibit temporary cannabis events within the city. At this time, through our research, we could not find really good standards, performance, Uh, regulations to support temporary events within our city, not to say that we could not come to that conclusion later on um, as we conduct more research. So for policy direction and discussion with the council um, for on-site consumption, I guess the first one is, you know, should we allow uh, on-site consumption and that is smoking, vaping, ingesting as an ancillary use, as we recommended by staff. And if, we, and, and if that discussion is a yes, then we can move on to two and three. As well as for temporary events. Should temporary cannabis events be prohibited within the city as recommended by staff? And so I'd like to open that up for us to have that discussion. I am here to answer any questions as well as the Director of Development Services.
0: Okay, before we do that, can we, we'll go to public comment. And I do have blue cards. Uh, And I have a quick question to ask uh, Ms. King. Was your, you you gave me this, is this also for this item or just for the other? Okay, thank you. So let's start with, if we may, before we do questions from the council, let's start with um, Mr. Churchill.
12: Good evening, Council. Kenneth Churchill. My other location is 74425 Highway 111 in Palm Desert. Uh, Again, I think this is another example of just us coming to the city and looking for all the tools that we can get to try to be successful against the cities that are around us. As of right now, Palm Desert is the only city in the Coachella Valley that allows for cannabis sales, but doesn't allow for a safe place for people to actually consume the cannabis that they just purchased within the city. It creates. An uncomfortable position in which people who come to travel to Palm Desert are forced to smoke uh, in their hotel rooms, their Airbnbs, even worse they may be smoking in public parks or in their vehicles. Uh, The goal here is that we actually improve public safety by giving people a safe place to be able to consume the products that they're already legally purchasing and it's also for the small businesses that we own to give us the opportunity to not be handicapped without having the same opportunities that the people in the cities around us have so again uh, I think mr. Seha and the staff put together a a really fair uh, proposal here and I believe that all of us uh, as operators uh, would would appreciate the the City Council's consideration on this topic so thank you
0: thank you do you have any other public comments or questions
12: no public comment
0: okay so let's go to council questions and Can I
3: just ask a question of Mr. Churchill?
0: Oh.
3: Mr. Churchill, I'm wondering if you have experience. Um, You know, when we think of of bars, the employees are trained to detect um, inebriation and to cut people off and Mm -hmm. hopefully not allow them to get in cars. Is there a similar kind of training and expectation from employees in the cannabis industry should there be on-site consumption?
12: Yeah, I think it's very similar to alcohol in bars. I've worked in bars for most of my life. Uh, it starts with training and it 100% goes to making sure that your staff understands the signs of somebody who's impaired To understand the signs of helping somebody who has consumed that product and maybe is not able to drive at that time It's also important that we as operators give the ability for ride-sharing and other opportunities to make sure that none of these people are driving As operators, we have the same responsibilities as you do as the city uh, Council we want to keep people safe And so it's very important that we train our staff to notice signs of intoxication, to not allow people to be uh, intoxicated on alcohol, and then also consume cannabis. Uh, We're very lucky to have some high-level cannabis lounges here in the Coachella Valley, including the vault in Cathedral City. I know Rich, a former police officer, would love to show anybody around if they would like to see how that operates. Uh, But most importantly, it just comes down to to just knowing the signs of intoxication and how we can try to avoid that entirely in the first place. Uh,
0: Go, uh, You know, let's go virtual now, if that's okay. Um, Council Member Quintanilla, please.
7: Thank you, Madam Mayor. My question is for Ms. Lua. Ms. Lua, have you received, um, or how many, if at all, received any of the temporary um, event permits for cannabis consumption?
18: I'm sorry. Could you
20: repeat the question?
7: Have you, to date, received any applications for a temporary use or temporary event for on-site consumption?
20: No, we have not.
18: Thank you.
2: Did you want- okay? I don't have a question. I just have comments. Please. Okay. So, um, I'm I'm very understanding of the plight that the cannabis. Owners, operators, or under. So I just want to start with that. My issue in in this presentation is not necessarily the consumption of cannabis on site. It's the smoking of it. We've spent years trying to get people to quit smoking. We even have a city ordinance that says, you know, no smoking of tobacco or. Or any type of um, herb and different things. So we have, like I just said, for years and years, trying to get people not to inhale smoke into their bodies, and it's like we've lost. It, it's just illogical to me that here we are now wanting wanting it to be allowed, and at the and at the state level, the state level, the law seems illogical. One of the slides said. Uh, you can smoke cannabis, but you can't smoke cigarettes in a lounge, and it just doesn't make sense. It's illogical, and I don't want to support laws that are illogical. I believe if we're going to allow the smoking of cannabis, we should allow the smoking of the cigarettes. So that's where I stand on this issue.
0: Thank you. Um, Mayor Pro Tem.
3: Thank you. Um, I I think that's a a cogent point um, from Council Member However, I think we need to observe the law and the law allows people to smoke um, with restrictions in instances where they may adversely impact others. And I see the same restrictions here. Uh, The proposal from staff is not to allow outdoor smoking because, or vaping, I guess to be more accurate, not that I'm an expert in the subject. So the point of not allowing outdoor is to prevent a situation where um, on-site consumption would be detrimental to anyone else. So I don't think we should take steps that are beyond what the law allows. If the law allows smoking, it allows smoking. If it allows uh, cannabis consumption, it allows it. Uh, With regards to the staff report, again, thank you very much. Um, Very good report and a good way of moving us forward. I do concur with the recommendation or the suggestion that we move forward with on site. Uh, I think this industry has been egregiously burdened in so many ways um, in terms of regulation. some would say overregulation, and the taxation, and I have lived my entire adult life in the world of taxation, is unprecedented. The multi-layer of taxes that that industry must pay, and then not to get too technical, but the disallowance of deductions, which makes a much higher effective tax rate as operators know. Um, so I feel a certain sense of obligation to give that industry a break. And I equate the cannabis industry in many ways um, to alcohol. Um, alcohol is legal, cannabis is legal. We allow alcohol on site consumption. It's called bars. I don't see why we should not allow on site consumption for cannabis with appropriate restrictions. We as a city also issue temporary. Um, alcohol consumption permits, whether it's to museums or events at parks or whatever. Um, So I think, again, it would be unfair um, to not allow special events. I understand that staff will be challenged because it's a first, but other cities have done it, so I think we can learn off their time. We can figure it out pretty quickly. Um, Permits are temporary, so if an event goes wrong for some reason, we'll learn from that and we'll change and we'll get better uh, with the next permit. So Uh, I I think it would be unfair um, to not allow uh, special events. Um, It also would place our local businesses under unfair competition from surrounding cities in the county. Um, So for all those reasons, I I think that I would uh, support on-site consumption, including special events. Thank you.
0: Council Member Kelly, please.
5: Uh, Thank you. Uh, I agree completely with substantial parts of what each of my colleagues has said. Uh, I agree totally uh, with the Mayor Pro Tem's comments to the effect that the industry has been overburdened and it's time for some relief and i think our discussion of the last agenda item showed our collective willingness to try to achieve that relief uh, but i also agree entirely uh, with the sentiments that council member Standy expressed and uh, i want to take the time uh, to read some specific language uh, of the smoking ordinance of this city, which describes our policy. Smoking of tobacco or any other weed or plant is a positive danger to health and a cause of material annoyance, inconvenience, discomfort, and health hazard. Uh, The conclusion of the chapter's opening purpose clause says, therefore, it is the city's intent to provide for the public health, safety, and welfare by prohibiting the smoking of tobacco or any other weed or plant in public places and places of employment, except as uh, allowed in the remainder of the ordinance. So, yes, there are exceptions. But the starting point is to affirm that there is a real threat to public health and that uh, the general rule should be prohibition subject to limited exceptions, particularly in public places. We've taken other actions uh, to try to establish Palm Desert as a healthy city, to try to achieve some acclaim as a healthy city and in regard, while I didn't want to be the leader in taxation, I don't mind uh, being set apart as different when it comes to prohibition of smoking. I'm not persuaded uh, that this is the way to help the industry, at least insofar as smoking consumption is concerned. I'd be open uh, to looking at other forms of consumption with appropriate
0: protections. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Quintanilla, please.
7: Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I wholeheartedly understand uh, what Council Member Kelly is saying and what Councilmember Member Nassande are saying in regards to the consumption. Um, however, I would like to, if, uh, going back to the comparison that Mayor Pro Tem has drawn and regulating it as alcohol, we know for a fact that there are way more annual deaths attributed to alcohol between cirrhosis and vehicular conditions. And yet alcohol is allowed in restaurants where you can bring your child And have your drink while your kid is having their their fries and their pizza or whatever next. So I think that we have a society that is now coming to evolve of what we consider medicinal versus recreational. And who can say that their beer is medicinal? So because we do have people that are traveling from out of state, we have the responsibility that if we're going to have them come to our city and tax them at such a high rate that we should offer them a safe place to consume. I I believe that we, um, as previously stated, we are placing our retailers at a a disadvantage if we don't allow a safe place for consumption versus other cities. We don't want our dollars going to other cities because we are failing to provide options. Um, I believe that we have our partners that are responsible. They have well-trained employees. It's not, um, when it was originally that there were unlicensed dispensaries and people just had anybody off the street, they would just go in and sell as if they were retailing anything in general. Now they are much more specialized and are able to cater to to the clientele, which means that it's a much safer consumption. I will keep pounding it as long as I need to, to say this is safe access because we know that these are growers in a controlled environment, in sterile packaging, in sterile manufacturing that is going to be free of contaminants such as fentanyl. And I don't want that on my conscience of knowing that if we could have prevented giving somebody safe access, that to me is a greater concern. Um, I believe that we have the opportunity. I know that we have some retailers here that have extra space or can acquire larger spaces that are already pretty well set up for that. We have how many bars have a smoking section outside? Are we now going to go to these bars and say close off your smoking section because we we don't want that here? I think we need to be more open-minded. And yes, our, our ordinance already does have exceptions. And we should consider having, I don't know, maybe putting our in our code saying x amount, a, a maximum number of special permits or special events per year. We don't know what's coming down the line. I, maybe we, there could be our own Coachella Valley Cannabis Cup. That could be a, a big draw. That could bring a lot of other um, marketing. It could bring a lot of other attractions. So we have a unique opportunity right now where we have this discussion. We have great data available from what the other cities have done. We have a lot of great experience that we can learn from and we have very talented and intelligent staff that can create that. So I am in support of, of creating and um, supporting space for on-site consumption and special event permits. Mayor Prodem-Jonathan, please.
3: Thank you, Mayor, um, and thank you, Council Member Quintinia. So staff is looking for direction, and I'm kind of sensing that there's uh, some level of uh, support uh, for moving forward with on-site consumption. I didn't hear anyone speak against it. Um, The question seems to be special events, and perhaps the direction we can give to staff is to explore it. For example, I don't know if there's data out there um, that indicates that vaping is harmful to an individual or to others. Um, Maybe there is medical um, indication, or there isn't. Um, Perhaps there's an outdoor permit that we can all agree to, Um, for example, that limits the outdoor activity to consumption of candies or, you know, I think they even come in drinks now and sodas or whatever, Um, but prohibits smoking and maybe allows vaping. Um, I've been around vapors and the smoke smells good, Um, you know, so maybe it wouldn't disturb others. I, I don't know, and that's the point. I think we don't know enough to give a definitive direction to staff, so my suggestion is on the special events that we direct staff to explore it further maybe consult with the industry and come back with options for council to
21: consider
0: okay. are there any other questions or comments okay
2: i would just okay i would just, oh, okay. I, no, I I would just, just say uh, i heard council member kelly say she could support consumption but not smoking and that's something i could support consumption that didn't include
0: smoking yeah, i'd like to make a couple comments if i may Um, Council Member Kelly cited our smoking ordinance that in 2008, and that's 8.36, makes it clear it's tobacco or any other weed or plant. I want to also say that within that ordinance, any smoking section outside a bar is illegal. If there are some, they are illegal. We wouldn't smoke around our children. We know better than that. We know that anytime you can smell something, it's actually going into your system. So we have to think long and hard about that. We have a very stringent smoking policy for good reason. And every year we give a proclamation to the Lung Association citing the problems that we have, whether it's from our environment or whether it's self-inflicted by um, any kind of tobacco or any other weed or plant. So I can't support smoking on site. I, I cannot do it. But I can take a look at, I know there are drinks that are infused now with cannabis. I know there are edibles. Those sorts of things make sense. Because the other cities are have smoking lounges, I find that hypocritical because they won't allow people to smoke tobacco so to me that does not make sense and they certainly, I certainly don't want them to set our standard so what I would like to happen is if we're looking for direction, I would like our staff to look at ways we could have places that would make sense and I'm sure there's all sorts of permitting and new ordinances that would have to go into place for um, the cannabis-infused drinks, the edibles, other ways to ingest cannabis, not smoking. I would like to see that. And I think I've heard two other people say that. So let's go back and and take a look at this. Uh, The last thing we want to do is do something, because the other cities are doing it, uh, when they're talking about smoking. It just... it doesn't make sense to me. So I do want to look at where we can go with the cannabis-infused drinks, edibles, whatever else there is. So um, do, does staff have direction? Do, we, do, you need, do you have any questions of us to make sure that we have clear direction?
9: I believe we do.
18: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Oh, uh, I'm sorry, I see a hand. Council Member Kelly, please, thank you.
5: Yes, I just wanted to ask uh, when this issue comes back, if uh, staff would broaden the information to include cities outside the Coachella Valley and do some exploration uh, to see if there are cities that have taken this path. Uh, to allow consumption apart from smoking. Uh, I might not be typical, uh, but if I was looking uh, for a retail establishment that allowed consumption on site, I would prefer one uh, that did not allow smoking. And it's entirely possible uh, that taking this path would garner uh some clientele who would share that preference uh i don't know uh, but i think if we cast the net a bit further uh we might find some experience that uh, could help inform us
18: thank you
0: okay i think we have all the discussion on that so let's move to Item 2E, adopt resolution declaring six parcels at the southeast corner of Fred Waring Drive and San Pablo Avenue in Palm Desert uh, are not surplus land for purposes of the Surplus Land Act.
21: Good evening, Honorable Mayor and City Council. I'm Deborah Glickman, Management Analyst in the Economic Development Department. What you have before you is a resolution that I need to correct the staff report immediately. It said it was on the northeast corner of Fred Waring and San Pablo. I apologize for that. It's really on the southeast corner. We're sitting right across from it. Uh, The property is owned by the city, and there is an exclusive negotiating agreement, actually a a purchase and sale agreement, with the Shonda Group for the property, and this resolution is required in order to get through the state process. Uh, The resolution is in front of you. It will go before the Housing and Community Development Department with the state, if approved today. If... um, Not approved, then we'll move on to other sections. But uh, once the HCD receives the resolution, it has 30 days to review it and ask questions of the city. The closing date for the escrow for this property is supposed to be December 31st, 2002, uh, so it stays in compliance with the Surplus Land Act, which requires that all properties that already had legal uh, documents in place prior to the Surplus Land Act Uh, coming into effect, needed to uh, convey their properties by the end of 2022. So this allows us to move forward on that process. I just put up a map of the location in front of you. There are six parcels included in this property. And as I said, they're directly across the street. I think we're familiar with them. And here's an overview. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Are there any questions from the public?
1: i see no public comment
0: okay thank you uh any comments or question from the council please
3: move approval of staff recommendation
0: i would second that motion okay we have a motion in the second is there any further discussion seeing none can we have a roll call vote please
1: pro tem jonathan hi council member kelly Yes. Council Member Nistandy. Yes. Council Member Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much.
0: Okay, we'll move to 2F. Introdu- um do I have the right one? Yes, introduction of an ordinance amending Palm Desert Municipal Code section 2.36.060 regarding the placement of items on meeting agendas and a process for members of the City Council to sponsor agenda items. Yes, please.
1: Madam Mayor and City Council, this is a request uh, to update the Palm, Spring or Palm Desert Municipal Code uh, related to adding things to the agenda. Uh, I'll, I'll uh, read the new proposal. It's a council member may request staff to agendize an item for a future city council meeting or study session during the request for action portion of the agenda. The request must receive support from a majority of the city council, which may include the requesting council member to go forward with the placement of the item on the agenda. The city manager may seek clarification from the city council on the topic scope by scheduling a preliminary discussion if needed. The item will normally be heard no sooner than the second meeting after the initial request or any needed clarification. And I'm available if there are questions.
0: Thank you. Are there any public comments
1: on that? I see no public comment.
18: And we'll move to council. Are there questions or comments from council? I move to approve.
0: is I'm not
3: ready for a second. I just had a question.
0: Okay. Uh, you let's, can let's do questions first before we move there. Go ahead, Council, uh, Mayor Pro Tem.
3: Okay. Thank you. Um, I want to commend the subcommittee for crafting a solution to an awkward situation. I think I think it will work out well. Um, my question is, we currently, in you know, our agenda, we have request for action section and historically that's been pretty broad so it hasn't been just for uh, agenda item uh, requests it's also been for action or uh, from staff or or other things request for uh, study sessions and so forth so I don't think we need to get that all clarified today but I would suggest that the subcommittee look at the general question of the request for action section in the agenda and see what it encompasses Um, and in particular, you know, if, if council members have a request for staff, that's going to result in time and so forth that we think about the process to ensure that staff is not overburdened. And yet at the same time, council members have an opportunity to move forward issues that they think are important for our city and its residents.
0: Okay. Thank you. Uh, council member Quintanilla.
7: Thank you, madam mayor. Um, I, I see that the attempt to have additional support before moving something onto the agenda has merits. However, it also feels like it's an attempt to potentially silence dissent if there is an unfamiliar or unpopular um, motion to bring forward. And I think that it is the business of the council to conduct the conversations in public with the residents so that they understand where we are um, in agreement, where we are not, where we are um, at opposition, and where we have room to work towards the middle ground. I think that it is potentially dangerous to require three people to consent or to to advance something because they could inadvertently re- lead residents to create a serial meeting. If they don't know who else they've spoken to or they're used to maybe going to two people, if now they've been told to go to three, it may constitute a serial meeting. And I think that we need to keep things the way that they are. It is about it, – it. Um, I understand that this is a reaction potentially for the last meetings that we had, and it was contentious because – there were people that wanted updated information and others that wanted to continue operating with previous information, but it, it does not seem fair or equitable to create any sort of uh, opportunities to be missed where we can have dialogue in, in the public view.
18: Councilmember
0: Kelly, please.
5: Uh, two things, first, uh, in response to my suggestion, I, as one member of the subcommittee, think that's excellent uh, to follow up uh, with some additional contours which might not have to rise to this policy level, but at least some shared understandings about what's within the scope of request for action. Um, and Councilmember Cantini's comments are very, very important. Uh, There can be occasions where some amount of discussion has to happen uh, to generate uh, support from three council members to have a formal agenda item. Uh, This proposed policy tries to cover that uh, by indicating that the city manager may schedule a time for a preliminary discussion to do precisely that, uh, to avoid uh, the serial meeting temptation and have that preliminary discussion in a public session. So I think the proposed policy covers that.
18: case. Please. Thank you.
3: Um... So, Councilmember Quintanilla, I I think you made some very cogent points uh, in terms of silencing the the minority, or you know. uh, And Councilmember Kelly, I'm I'm curious about the subcommittee's thinking on that topic because placing an item on the agenda can and perhaps has turned into a discussion about the merits of the issue being proposed. And there's a danger there, right? I think, as, as Councilmember Quintanilla said, the point of getting something on the agenda is just to shine the light of day on it, right? And even if the majority may end up voting against it, it accomplishes something important by being placed on the agenda, right? There's a full and open discussion. And very, very, very importantly, the public gets an opportunity to provide input minds may be persuaded and changed as we've all done or they may not be but i wonder now that i'm thinking about it after reflecting councilmember quintonia's comments if by having a majority requiring a full majority to simply place an item on the agenda for discussion and for input from the public by setting a higher bar are we not doing something we really don't want to do which is limiting openness transparency, and public input. Did the subcommittee consider that?
0: Uh, Council Member Kelly, your hand is up.
5: It, I forgot to put it down, but <laughs> a couple of things. Uh, this proposed policy came to us from staff, having heard everyone's perspectives. Uh, it was their recommendation. It's the most orderly way of proceeding. Um, uh, uh, so, uh, our city clerk may have comments when I'm done, but, uh, what we encountered in our recent experience, <laughs> uh, was as explained by the city attorney, a majority of the council is always going to prevail. Uh, so there's a lot of wisdom to acknowledging that in this policy, um, Again, the provision that's here to try to assure that discussion is not prematurely uh, cut off is the opportunity to schedule a preliminary discussion about whether to move forward with a formal agenda Um, and uh, the subcommittee was persuaded after listening to staff that this approach would be uh, worth trying at least for a period of time to, to see if it better reflects the reality that uh, we we do want an opportunity for folks to be heard, but we also want the majority to be respected.
18: So
0: that was the thinking. What do we give, go ahead.
2: Okay, Council Member Kelly, I concur with your thought process and uh, I did make a motion. And I just wanted to add is that we're also trying to have it so theoretically, the way it, it's written right now, two council members could continually bring up a very similar agenda item that perhaps didn't go his or her way. So every council meeting, two people could keep bringing up a very similar issue against the will of the majority. So I believe the way this is written, it brings some balance to our agenda meetings.
3: Yeah, thank you. I you know, I'm I'm really struggling with this because I see the dangers that you just described Councilmember Standy. Um and I'm trying to understand your response Councilmember Kelly to to my concern and what I heard was uh legal counsel making a statement that you seem to support that, that that the will of the majority would prevail. But how do we know what the will of the majority is before they've even heard a staff report or public input or the comments of their colleagues aren't we presupposing that none of us have an open mind that we're going to look at issues with an open mind as we always do consider staff report comments from stakeholders partners and the public i mean i'm a little i'm torn about this but i'm concerned It, it almost feels like if two council members feel importantly enough about or or Feel strongly enough about a subject that it's important enough to be agendized purely for discussion right um that that should be enough to get something on the agenda um so I'm, in in your response council member kelly i, I didn't hear and, and it was i'm sure it was my fault but I, I didn't hear that specific concern being addressed because again we're talking not about policy making or decision making we're simply talking about getting an item on the agenda i don't know if you if I don't know if that makes sense, Councilmember Kelly, or if you wanted to respond.
0: Councilmember would you like to answer that?
7: Uh, let's give Councilmember Keatonia a turn. Okay. And we by can, all means, by all means I defer. I, I would like we, that answer as well. We can come back to me. No, I, I would really prefer that was part of what I was going to ask. I wanted a clarification on that as well, as well as in their comments. So please, if I may insist.
18: Of, of course you may. Um,
5: this, I reference, uh, really flows, uh, from what council member sent a, was describing, uh, if it is the will of, if it is the perception of the majority, that something has been sufficiently aired that needs to be respected, uh, so. That was the vein in which I referred to the will of the majority. Again, this proposed language has a way uh, to schedule a preliminary discussion uh, so that no one's going to be silenced or stifled.
0: Council Member can to kneel, please.
7: Thank you, Madam Mayor. I can see that that is the intent, but I don't see any guarantee that says that is how it will be applied um, by future councils, perhaps. And-, um, and Council yes, member Quintanee,
0: can- we can just barely hear you. If you could lean I, into I your microphone a little, would be helpful. Let's
7: see if this is any, is this any better? Can you hear me? Is it any better? A little. Okay, I'll, I'll try to be much louder then. Um, Council member Kelly, as you had mentioned earlier, you said that this would uh, be a better reflection on on the council, but I don't quite understand what would be better, if it would be better to have the three people in the majority to make a decision to silence people that maybe have not had the opportunity to get their views across. As Mayor Pro Tem mentioned, that people may not have the facts in order to fully come on board and support the need to have staff prepare more more data so that we can get this then to residents. I think it is a very uh, precarious um, attempt at procedural obfuscation, to prevent future meetings from running as long and and what people may prefer to have a a discussion not be repeated. But perhaps let's, let's look at previous examples. When we looked at the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic, we did not have a lot of information that came about later. Had those issues continued to go on and on and on when lives were at stake, how would that have been different? Just like we're not gonna discuss it again? Medical data was changing. Info was changing month after month, and we learned and we were able to eventually save lives. If we had come to that situation and said, no, we've discussed it, we're not gonna talk about it again, let's not even bring it up, where would we be? Where would we be? So I think this is a very dangerous situation in trying to silence the minority.
3: Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm asking a lot of questions because I said, I'm really struggling with this. Um, Councilmember Kelly, you've come back to this a couple of times that the city manager can seek clarification from the council um, on the topic by by having a preliminary discussion. But as I read the proposed amendment to the ordinance, it's, it's a step process, right? Step one, the majority of the council has to agree to place the item on the agenda. Step two, in that event, if the city manager has questions, he can have that preliminary discussion to understand the the scope of the topic. That's how I'm reading the proposed amendment. And my question to you is, am I interpreting that correctly? Because you seem to be saying something else. And again, I apologize, I'm simply not understanding.
5: Uh, Well, I've described what was my understanding in endorsing this as a member of the subcommittee. Uh, maybe we need to send it back uh, to the subcommittee to clarify that sentence uh, because I certainly understand the reading, the meaning you have drawn from it. And as council member Kenton has said, different people are going to be applying any policy we come up with five years from now or 10 years from now. Uh, so. Potentially, we could give this back to the subcommittee to refine that part. It it was my expectation that we were creating an opportunity for the minority to make their case uh, as to why something ought to be opened or reopened. Um, Because... uh, that's, in my estimation, the best the best accommodation to both respect majority governance and be assured that each person has a voice.
18: Thank you.
3: Um, you know, I can live with that, and I especially embrace your last comment, council member kelly because the competing interests here you just nailed it that's what's at stake we need to respect the will of the majority but we also don't want to silence the minority so i wonder if the subcommittee in readdressing this can look at that objective and find a balance where again and it's not just what happened recently it's just looking into the future and i think the reason the ordinance was crafted the way it was was the perception that if there are two council members that feel deeply about something and want it on the agenda, it should go on the agenda just to give an opportunity for discussion and transparency. Um, and so you have two competing interests there, right? And as Council Member Sandy said, you don't want a belligerent minority to come back and just kind of, you know, keep disrupting things. So I get that, and I, I'm, I'm going to challenge the subcommittee to craft uh, a balanced solution, if you would. I'm happy to make them the motion. I want to respect, I don't know if there's already a motion on the table. Substitute motion? Okay. The substitute motion the substitute. is to uh, bring it back to the subcommittee to work with staff and see if they can craft a, a balanced solution.
7: I second the substitute motion.
0: We have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote, please?
1: Mayor Pro Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Councilmember Nassandi. Oh, wait, she was hesitant. Oh, I'm sorry.
5: (laughs) The final phrasing of your, I know we're in the middle of a vote and this is irregular, uh, but the final phrasing of your motion was different from what I had proposed, which is what stymied me. Why don't you just refer it to the subcommittee too in light of this discussion?
3: Yeah, good point. Um, So I would modify the the motion and say, let's send it back to the subcommittee to work with staff that can craft a solution in light of comments made in tonight's meeting.
0: Does that work? That is acceptable. Council Member Kelly, does that work? Yes. Thank you. I was voting, so my vote is...
1: (laughs) Okay.
0: So we start
1: the recall vote. I, I well let's do a recall let's do Mayor it. Pro Tem Jonathan. Over. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nastandy. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero to refer it back to the subcommittee.
0: Thank you. We will now move to two G, award a contract to Deckard Deck- Technologies Inc. from San Diego, California. For short-term rental monitoring compliance, enforcement and tax collection services in the initial amount of $69,400. Good,
9: good evening, Mayor Council, Richard Canoni, uh, Director of Development Services. Well, I have a number of slides, I'll try to go through them, go through uh, relatively, them. Uh, relatively quickly. Um, just to give a little bit of background on this item, um, we have a, a current contract with a vendor that, that has uh, been both challenges for development services and finance. Uh, this contract was approved uh, almost a year ago. And uh, one of the items uh, that the city manager had brought up during that discussion was we would continue to look at that contract and bring it back for consideration if it did not meet the city's needs, uh, which, brings us, which brings us here tonight. Uh, while the um, RFP process took a little longer, I think, than we initially anticipated, uh, part of that was we wanted to make sure we had a, a truly comprehensive scope of services. And so with that, uh, we, this wasn't just a development services item, uh, but we wanted to make sure that both finance and IT uh, were, were part of that, um, not just the crafting of the scope of services, but they were involved uh, when we had the mandatory pre-bid meeting as well as being on the uh, in- interview panel for those, for those firms. So we had a total of four firms. Um, the ranking is there, Deckard uh, um, Technologies was the number one. Um, and for the most part, they, they truly met, You know, they checked all of our, our boxes that, that we were looking for um, to, to provide that comprehensive uh, program. And I'll quickly go through with just some of the, uh, some of the items that, that we think we'll will be able to provide a much better uh, program, not just for uh, the, the short-term rental um, operators, but also for our residents uh, that, that uh, have issues with, with unfortunately bad operators, um, but also uh, save staff time um, where we're able to spend a little bit more time on that enforcement and compliance, uh, as opposed to administrative functions that we're dealing we're with. Um, so I, on the registration portal itself, as you see, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, the, the, current, um, the current registration process is uh, not as easy. Uh, just to give you an idea, there's I think nine, um, a total of nine screens that uh, Deckert has to get through the registration process, uh, where now it's over 30 screens of clicking. Um, in addition, um, there's not a uh, synchronization between the registration number and then the fees that are remitted to pay those registration fees. So in addition to staff time and development services, uh, finance is also dealing with, with a number of challenges related. Um, this is sort of all, all contained into one, um, one program, and so we think it'll eliminate a lot of those, a lot of those issues. Uh, just to, uh, to quantify a little bit of it, uh, I think Pedro yesterday had an inquiry from or a request from a property manager that were, there was a total of 26, um, 13 um, new registrations and 13 renewals. So every time you have to even renew your, your registration, you have to in, um, input your APN number or, or, or you know, folio number. Um, this is already pre-populated. So as you start typing your address, one, two, three, it'll, it'll start pulling that list of th- those addresses already. It'll be able to be synced with our GIS system, uh, where the system now takes you to another website. It defaults to Alameda County, so everyone's trying to look up their address in Alameda County. They get frustrated and then send it to staff. So those 26, just to give you an idea, they take about 15 minutes each to, to go through that process. So um, that's almost six and a half, seven hours of staff time um, that, that we will we will. Will provide that service, and even if individuals are still having trouble, we'll still help them. Um, But this was just a a matter of they could not figure it out, and and were frustrated. Um, In addition to even updating who the property manager is, um, the the operator themselves or property owner cannot do that. It actually has to go through the company, so that that will eliminate uh, a lot of the burden on on staff now in time. As as it relates to monitoring. Uh, I, I just updated this after, after speaking with uh, the DeCA representatives. They're, they're monitoring over 10,000 listing sites. Um, as we got, went through this interview process, it was really enlightening for, for all of us, um, just understanding the new sites that pop up almost like on a daily basis, uh, and then some of the gamemanship with some folks where they will not list it, but they may list it on a Friday, and then pull it down immediately. And so what their crawlers do, uh, and they can probably explain this much more than, than better than I can, um, are searching these things every day. And so if, if there's a hit, it, 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 it populates and, and we get it both in on the map as well as, as, well as a, a list. Um, but what's really nice is it keeps sort of this property record. So everything is, is within on, on one record that, that we, can, we can access. One of the other things I'll mention uh, that, that kind of, uh, we all kind of looked around at each other like in, in WoW um, uh, was the ability that they have this advanced booking calendar And so as properties um, are are rented, um, it'll it'll tag all of those so we can see when they were rented, when they were open, when they were advertised. So all of that will be consolidated into into one record. Uh, We think that may help us a lot of times what um, some of the frustration that we see from from residents that that may find a a short-term rental um, and are upset because we're not enforcing it. you know, we will go out there, and a lot of times um, we may not get that record that it was post, that it was advertised. And then when we do go and, and knock on the door, um, you know, a lot of times they'll tell us they're friends and family, and, and um, we're not renting it. But here we're able to at least start to track to see, well, then why are you at, you know, to be able to ask those questions, well, why are you, why are you advertising, listing it as rented? So we think that'll help cut down and, and relieve some of that. Folds into those resident complaints. Um, we'll continue with our 24-hour, 24, 24 seven-day-a-week hotline. Uh, we will be able to just continue our um, using the phone number that we have. Uh, in addition, uh, it will continue with a dual notification. So once a complaint does get registered, uh, both the property manager and code uh, and, uh, client uh, is, uh, is notified. And then in addition, there's an online form. It's a little more user-friendly. It's actually um, um, mobile, uh, mobile app uh, enabled. So if someone does see something where there's, say, five or six cars parked at the property, they're able to snap those pictures, send it through the web-enabled form, and that, that complaint will get registered as well as um, th- those photographs, videos, and audio as well. So any noise complaints, any, so all of that can be uh, can be tracked, again, and tied back to the property record. One of the other unique features um, that, uh, that they offer is a public-facing portal, and uh, this is completely um, Uh, configurable to however the city wants to do it Um, what we've seen is a number of cities have used this um, just to show those those STRs that are um, registered and then they may provide a number um, for a property manager so if there is an issue at least maybe they can call or have a relationship with that property manager or if it can get resolved certainly we're there to to help and we would still like to know but um, that that could be available for residents or at least know that hey this is a registered as enforcement, um, again, as I mentioned, it'll automate a lot of the um, admin tasks uh, with a significant amount of time savings um, for, for staff. Uh, all of our letters, um, form letters, template letters, will be, will be uploaded to their system uh, and then there's the ability to have them either auto-generated and, and they will mail for us or, or we can manually do it depending on the complaint that comes in. Right now, as it, was oper- as it was working, we were getting those and then having to create the letters, having to mail it. So this will save a substantial amount of time uh, in the, uh, in the information. And then again, all of those letters that, that they would mail are then uploaded to that, that property file. It also provides the ability, it's sort of in one, one location for TOT and the TBID collection. Uh, so this will, it auto-calculates auto taxes and fees. Um, all of those payments are tied to that registration number, the property address. So it'll, it'll assist finance with having to do a, uh, a number of, of spending a number of hours researching uh, where those online payments, especially if they come through a credit and, and how those are uh, how those are remitted. Um, one of the other uh, unique features is looking at through that property detail and that booking calendar. If we wanted to conduct even just a simple audit uh, based upon the TOT that was remitted o- over the year, um, based upon what their, what we showed as um, number of night books. Um, we could start to see if there's, if, if there's some uh, disparity in that um, and then in how we want to handle that move, to move. More intense audit if we, if we need to. Uh, reporting, this is one of my favorite uh, items. Um, there's a dashboard that is, that is live, when, you know, um, up, up to date, um, but also you're able then to click down and drill and, and pull whatever report. Um, so one of the things that, that I really like about this is, is starting to analyze that data and identifying if we do have problem properties um, combined with that calendar, so we can start to, to be a little bit more proactive uh, in, how we, uh, in how we enforce our, uh, our program. Yeah, sorry. And, and with that, I'm almost done. Um, I won't read through the staff recommendation, but staff does uh, recommend approval as, as outlined in the report. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions. And I also wanted to mention um, uh, Mr. Dope. Do- do- Del Pago, I'm go Del Pago is also here from Decker Technologies. Uh, should you have any uh, questions uh, specific for them? Thank you.
0: Well, let me just start with you're a very patient man. Uh, are there any public comments on this issue?
1: No public comment.
18: Okay, thank you. Uh, I'll go to council. Are there any questions?
0: Question.
3: Yeah, really, I just wanted to thank, and I didn't know it's pronounced Kanoni. Okay. In my mind, I mispronounced it, and I apologize to you if I ever did that verbally. But um, I want to thank you for the report, and really, I'm very grateful for the coordinated kind of comprehensive approach that you took, because I think that's very forward-thinking um, and will avoid problems uh, that have probably occurred in the past um, and prevent them from reoccurring in the future. So, um, very well done. Appreciate it.
0: And council Member Kelly, please.
18: Yes,
5: I'm ecstatic uh, to see this item. Our prior provider was a huge disappointment. I'll just say it. Um, many promises were made, fewer kept. Uh, and um, I'm very, very pleased by this presentation. If I heard correctly, Uh, the public facing portal is an option. I would favor using that option. The more we can make information directly accessible by the public, the easier the city's work is. Uh, So not only would I generally favor making information publicly available, it strikes me as particularly helpful. Uh, To make this information available via the public facing portal.
0: Anything else? Any questions? I just, I will tell you many of my Palm Palm Desert neighbors are going to be very happy about this. Uh, This has been a big issue and it looks like we have a, a big solution, so thank you. Okay, if there are no other questions or comments, I'll entertain a motion. Move to approve. I'll
2: second the motion.
0: We have a motion and a second. Can we please have a roll call vote? Mayor
1: Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nistani. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harding. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Okay. Thank you so much.
0: We'll move to public hearings. Uh, This is a request for approval of the proposed sale of the property located at 42162 Verdon Lane, Palm Desert, parenthetically APN 624-440-004, pursuant to health and safety code section 33433C
14: honorable mayor members of the city council and a housing authority board um, state law requires that any property owned by the city or the authority be brought forward during a public hearing the public hearing requires a public notice and that notice was done in um, alignment with public notice requirements we received no comments on the public notice um, if you will recall we brought this home back to you to you back in may and you asked us to rescue it basically from foreclosure we have made some improvements to the home and now we've identified a buyer and we'd like to move forward with the sale If you have any questions i'm happy to answer them
0: okay thank you are there any questions of staff none and we will open the public hearing at this time are there any questions or comments from the public
1: no public comment online
0: okay are there any comments from council then we will close the public hearing and uh, we can have any discussion necessary or we can have a motion.
7: A motion to approve.
18: I'll second the motion.
1: Okay, roll call vote please. Mayor Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Council member Quintanilla.
0: Aye.
1: Uh, Councilmember member Nistandy.
0: Aye. Mayor Harnick. <laughs> Yes.
1: Motion passes five to zero.
0: Thank you so much. Okay, we have no information items. Are there any other items of information or comment whatsoever? Seeing none, this meeting stands adjourned. November 17th is our next meeting. Thank you everyone.
2: (laughs) I was just saying the mayor needs a gavel for the next meeting.